I'm one of those hot mess mamas that couldn't get a straight answer from my doctor about my thyroid. All my labs were normal and I was sick and tired of getting nowhere with every visit. My neighbor told me to try functional medicine so I found Dr. Kylie. Best decision ever. She transformed my normal labs into answers and a personalized supplement plan. It was less than a month in when I already felt generally better. My digestive problems were resolving, joint pains were not requiring ibuprofen for survival, and my energy, even my kids and husband have noticed. If you're thinking about reaching out to her, do it. You're not only going to start saving money, you'll get your life back. One of the easiest places to start getting your life back is inside the membership. You'll get access to me on live calls, but you'll also get your questions answered inside a private podcast. This level of attention and help is only available inside the Healing Beyond the Diagnosis membership. So stop relying on late night Google searches and start getting the answers and relief you desire. I can't wait to welcome you in. I can't wait to celebrate your success next. Hey, practitioners, health coaches, docs, everybody who finds themselves in shoes like mine, the doors of opportunity are open again. Go check it out. We did some major upgrades and listen to your feedback inside the mastermind. Doors will open all of October and close November 1st at noon Mountain Standard Time. Come join us. BTDmastermind.com. Remember, as my friend Chip Gaines says, your purpose is just like mine. It's big and it's important. And there's no one else anywhere on the planet who can fulfill it. So quit messing around and go get them. Let's do this together. I'll see you on the inside. Remember, the doors of opportunity are open right now. What can change in your life, in your future, and in your patients' lives? Let's do this together. btdmastermind.com Welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis with me, Dr. Kylie. Have you ever wondered how to make your pelvic floor stronger to prevent those leaks that we're all aware of? Well, today on the podcast, I have a special personal trainer because she specializes in pelvic floor health and postpartum fitness recovery. Christina, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you letting me kind of spread my mission and uh, hopefully enlighten some. I know as women and who have gone through labor, we have all experienced these expenditures of our pelvic floor muscles and our joints and everything in between. And we also come out on the wrong side of it sometimes, especially when it comes to our bladder and our urination. And you specialize in this and you specialize in helping us get those strong muscles back. So I can't wait to learn how you do it and what can help our listeners. But first off, how in the world did you get into pelvic floor and postpartum? <laughs> well, I was actually in a completely different field for about 13 years. Um, I was working in the veterinary field <laughs> and the veterinary field was definitely um, labor intensive on, on my body. And I went through two pregnancies during working in that field. And then I found out I had pelvic floor issues. Ironic part was, is that I never knew what my, my pelvic floor was until there was actually an issue with it. And as I learned more and more about my pelvic floor and the dysfunctions that I was having with it, um, I learned that that was kind of the case widespread or all around. There was a lot of women that had no idea what 
their pelvic floor muscles were until there was actually an issue with them. And I actually developed prolapses, which I really had no clue could happen. And it was pretty devastating. You, if anyone listening has, you know, experienced pop or uh, pelvic floor, it's pelvic organ prolapses. It can be pretty debilitating. Uh, and you kind of get a fear of movement and lifting. And at the time I was really into fitness. So I was doing the typical fitness, <laughs> just like most women, um, hit workouts, running, things like that. And, uh, lo and behold, those things just weren't conducive to my postpartum recovering body. And I developed pelvic organ prolapses and pelvic floor dysfunction because of it. When you say you developed it, what were the signs and symptoms? Really, honestly, my only symptom at the time, and in hindsight, if I would have known more about the symptoms, I probably would have clued in a little bit quicker. But the only real problem I had was incontinence. Like I, I was leaking. I was peeing my pants when I running or when I attempted to run, I should say, and jumping, anything, jumping jacks, anything high intensity or high impact. Um, and then also when I was doing exercise, I had to go, I had to go probably like six or seven times. And I also had to go a lot of times before I would start a workout program as well. So it was the urgency as well. So those were kind of my symptoms. And, you know, <laughs> this is actually one of the things I try to like debulk and I try to, you know, let people know is we think that that's just something normal. That's something that as moms, we just have to deal with and everyone leaks, all moms leak. It's common, but kind of the tagline that I like to tell people is it's common, but it's not normal. Um, and there's things you can do about it. So that was really something that I, that was the only symptom I had really at the time. And now is it a problem? Uh, it is actually not a problem anymore. It's come down to awareness and that's kind of what I try to help people with is, is more awareness about their pelvic floor. Because my thing is, is if you're not aware of your pelvic floor, chances are you are probably straining it either during fitness or just in life in general, because life is a workout itself. Yeah, I was doing some training in school, a muscle testing seminar. And I remember when they taught us how to muscle test the muscles in the pelvic floor. And it was like life-changing for so many women in there oh, because yeah. these muscles were weak. And then they we did some things to strengthen them. And we came back the next month for the next seminar. It was a series of eight. And it, we all had so many reports of like, oh my gosh, I was able to jump on the tramp and <laughs> go running. And, and it was just like, these pelvic floor muscles, they are muscles mm-hmm. and they need to be exercised correctly. Just like we would think about exercising our biceps and our tries and, and our exactly. legs and to get them strong and not tear. And like, this is the same thing. And they go through such force during pregnancy and then even more during labor and delivery. If you want to learn more about specifically POP, Power Over Pop is Christine's podcast and her website is poweroverpop.com. Go check it out. Let's dive in here. Tell us about these pelvic floor muscles. Where are they? All the goodies. I definitely, I mean, within my, my services, my program and how I work with people is I do a lot of education. So I want you to know exactly what your pelvic floor muscles are you know, where they're located, how they're functioning, things like that. So I try to tell people, basically your pelvic floor muscles are the bottom of your pelvis. And a lot of women think that there's a lot of bony structure at the bottom of your pelvis. And there's really not, it's these muscles (laughs) and it goes right from your pubic bone all the way to your tailbone. And it's almost like a sling, but then it also goes from width wise from your butt bones too. It's a pretty wide area at the bottom of your pelvis. So if you think about jumping or running or even walking, it takes a lot of force. 
And it takes a lot of strain if the rest of our body isn't supporting it, basically. And kind of the three jobs I tell people that it does are the three main jobs it does. The first layer is more like your sexual layer. The second layer is your um, urethra or where it controls your urination. And so lack of, or lack of, um, and then your third layer is that layer that's really going to help with, with organs. So it's going to help, you know, hold up the bladder, the uterus, the rectum. So it's, it's a pretty incredible muscle in other words. And it's made up, like you said, of just like the regular muscles in, in our bodies, it's skeletal muscle. And unfortunately what it does, instead of just doing those jobs, it likes to take over for other muscles surrounding it. So it overworks. It does this because there's weakness that's surrounding it. So the, basically the rest of our body isn't supporting it, isn't strong enough to support it. Cause it just like anything in the body, it can't work on its own. And so when it overworks is like you said, it becomes weak. Any muscle that's overworked is going to fatigue easily. And that goes down to being basically a weak muscle. That information is usually pretty enlightening to people because they're just like, oh, I didn't even know it was something I should even think about. Well, when you think about overworked, like pregnancy and labor and delivery, mm-hmm. it definitely gets overworked. Especially oh, yeah. if you, you know you hear stories about women pushing for two hours at a time. And, and that's like a two-hour hit training session. And that's a lot for any muscle, let alone these pelvic muscles. And when I think back into chiropractic school and all the models that we saw, especially with the pelvis models, I don't ever remember a model having the pelvic floor muscles on it. It was always the bone structure and you'd see things like the arm and then you'd show the ligaments and the muscles attaching, but I don't remember ever seeing a pelvic floor muscle on it. Wow. I have to see if that <laughs> even exists. There yeah. has to be one that has pelvic floor muscles on it. There's definitely ones that are made for like pelvic floor and you can actually peel away the, like, you know, the glute muscles and the uh-huh. adductors, like everything that's kind of attached to it, um, which is yeah. really cool for visualization. I'm actually, that's my bucket list to get for visualizing for everyone. Um, yeah, but yeah even, I remember doing glutes, like all three layers of them and all that. But as far as those deep pelvic floor muscles that are literally sitting on that bone structure, protecting yeah, your organs from rotators. your bones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we definitely get them worked and we're all like, yeah, we know because we've seen these, this pop stuff, we experienced it. So what was the big change for you and what would you suggest women start with? I mean, I would definitely suggest, um, being seen by a a pelvic floor physical therapist and, I mean, they can do internal exams. They can check for any areas of tension that you're holding that they need to kind of help you work out. So then you can start to gain strength because if a muscle is tight and overworked, it can't gain strength until it gets some length and release in it. And that's what you need for the pelvic floor. Basically, I went through PT and it was the most amazing experience of my life. I was definitely overloaded because there's just so much information that we're not given. And then we're given all this information. And then when I try to get back to fitness, that was where my issue came in is that I didn't, there was a gap. There's a, there's a gap between physical therapists and then personal trainers there. A lot of the personal trainers had no idea about pelvic floors and how to protect and how to help me advance with my strength training. I I love lifting and and I didn't want to give that up. So I needed, I knew I could, I just needed to figure out how. So what changed for me is definitely the knowledge that I gained from my PT, my pelvic specialist PT, and then also um, then learning how to strengthen the rest of my body in order to then support my pelvic floor. 
So instead of my pelvic floor overworking to compensate for like the lack of strength in the rest of my body, either it be postural muscles, like me being able to sit up straight and not slouch and put all that pressure on my pelvic floor, um, or my glutes to be able to help the pelvic floor function or my inner thighs or anything along or my core, definitely deep core muscles. Basically I have, have learned over time how to strength train, total body strength train while supporting my pelvic floor, while doing the fitness that I love to do and managing my symptoms. And basically I love to say it, take my life back. Yeah, because you get to do those kind of things again mm-hmm. and, and not it's have a, to worry. Being right? able. Yeah, yeah, being able. <laughs> the the one thing we want, I want to touch basis here is what do women do wrong with exercise postpartum? Um, a lot of the times it's too much too soon. And we forget that our bodies, or we forget, or we want to forget, (laughs) I guess that our bodies have changed and it's changed from pregnancy. It's changed from labor and delivery. And instead of, you know, worry about getting back, you know, worry about getting that body back before pregnancy, you know, try to think about rediscovering your body. And so that's kind of like the first phase I have go through is rediscovering your body, you know, seeing what it needs from you right now and understanding it. And that means having pe- more pelvic floor awareness. That means paying attention to your deep core. And so I, I think it's just too much too soon. And so people try to get right back to what they were doing before and they might not see a problem right off, but they might see it 18 months down the road. Like I did. Yeah. I just think when I, after my, I had my first, I went back to my Cairo right after and she told me I had this, I, I can't think of the term. You could probably help me, but the separation of my abdominal muscles. Yep. The diastasis recti. Yep. Yep. That one diastasis recti. <laughs> and it was like four inches when she it was big. And I was, and I told her, I said, I just, I just bought me a spin bike and you're telling me I can't get on it. She said, well, you can get on it, but you'll never have a core again. Cause I'll just continue to tear those apart. And then, and then I'm thinking getting on a bike seat with my pelvic floor muscles, probably not a wise idea either. So she walked me through her, like, it was like a six month regimen of me getting my abdominal muscles back together and then, and it worked. So I did the same thing with last one. And luckily it was only like an inch and a half at that point. So it wasn't so long, but if we think about that from our abdominal standpoint and apply the same things to our pelvic floor muscles, and then we're running and biking and hit training and now we can't control our pee. Diastasis recti and pelvic floor, they are, they're part of the same system. A lot of the same techniques that you probably did for the diastasis recti or the abdominal separation are very similar to what you would do with the pelvic floor because it, it's basically, it's part of the whole core system. Even though I'm, you know, I say in pelvic floor wear fitness, it's still also friendly for um, diastasis recti because they're, they're all connected and they all need to work together. What's one of the exercises you recommend getting started with to just strengthen our pelvic floor muscles? It's actually more relaxation and then activation. So it's actually breathing, getting your breathing and checking, getting that pattern is the most important thing you can do in order to prep you for exercise down the road and breathing properly is going to help control the pressure within your abdominal system or abdominal cavity, I should say, and pop happens hernias from the the separation in your abdominal cavity, all of those are pressure issues. So if you can't control the pressure within your system, then that's what can lead to these 
more severe problems and peeing your pants because if you have pressure going down, then chances are you're you're going to pee your pants as well. But it's it's breathing, and so one of the the main things I I have people do is is look at their breathing, and it's not just chest breathing, it's not just belly breathing, it's actually giving yourself more of a um, all around breathing pattern. And I have people focus on breathing into their ribs, so breathing into their ribs. Can and you, their can you walk me through how you would do that? Yeah, sure. So all listeners right now, let's do it. Let's breathe and let's calm all right. our pelvic floor muscles down. The easiest way to do it, at least initially, is laying down. But I have everyone kind of work it in different positions because life, you know, requires different positions. <laughs> um, but first, I have them kind of checked. So you have a hand on your chest, hand on your belly, and you give yourself an inhale. And I okay. just want you to kind of rediscover or discover your hand at your chest moving or your belly moving more, and which one is moving first. That's kind of the first thing. And I'm then, like so conscious now. I'm probably not breathing how I would normally breathe. <laughs> it's true. And, and that's the thing. So first it's isolation, right? So first you are hyper aware of it and then it becomes automatic. So yes, probably chances are you're breathing differently than what you would in normal life. But the idea is the more you practice it intentionally, the more it's just going to become normal life. <laughs> the other thing like I want to say, well, it's my my hand on my chest that's breathing first. And then I think, no, that's wrong. So I got to breathe with my stomach. Instead of just breathing. Which is right. Yeah. I mean, basically you, you don't want to breathe into your chest or you don't want to breathe up. Um, because first of all, you'll see your shoulders go up and a lot of us, um, especially ones that are breastfeeding, especially ones that are on the computer a lot. Um, we develop neck tension, upper back tension. And so when we breathe into our chest, that's usually kind of the result of that. So it's a good indication that if I have a lot of tension in my upper back, or if I have neck pain, then maybe I'm breathing a little bit more up than, than I should be in other words. So that's one indication, but the goal is to actually breathe into the ribs. And we'll, I'll show you how you're going to figure that out in a second. But what that's doing is your diaphragm, your breathing muscle is right at your rib cage there. And so in order for an inhale to be good, let's say it needs to connect with the pelvic floor and it needs to release and lengthen the pelvic floor. The diaphragm goes down. It connects with the pelvic floor. It releases and lengthens it on the exhale. Your pelvic floor naturally recoils. The diaphragm comes up. It's kind of like a seesaw effect. Okay. And we want that connection to happen. If your breath goes up into your chest, it's not getting that diaphragm to connect down with the pelvic floor. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> or did I explain that correctly? Or, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So now, now with the ribs. So what I actually have people do, because especially if you're in pregnancy, if you think about it, we have this baby that's pushing on our ribs. Right. And so some of us after pregnancy can get kind of like our ribs are stuck. Like they're just kind of stuck in this like awkward place. And they could be like one on the other, that kind of thing. But we need to get the ribs moving in order to get the diaphragm moving. So basically, what I have people do is kind of hold on to their ribs on either side. Okay. And you can even are, have you, your- are you like clenching fisting or more of a hand on your hips kind of thing? More like a hand on the side. And your thumb is going to be actually on your mid back. So kind okay. of on the back of your rib. Cage. And then your fingers are going to be on the front of your rib cage. Okay. And then from here, you want to think about breathing into your ribs and actually feeling your ribs kind of going into your hand or into your cupped hand. Do you want to feel them kind of expanding out and then coming back in laterally? So off to the side, not out to the front. I don't feel my ribs moving. 
Yeah. Yeah. So you are sitting up. I want you, and we can definitely do this. You can do this <laughs> after the podcast. You don't have to lay down now, but laying on your back, um, either on your back and then laying on your side, you can actually start to identify if you have one side that's moving versus the other. So if you're laying on your side and you're breathing into your ribs, you want to feel that rib moving. What can happen a lot of the times is that you get tension in that mid back and on your upper abs, and that actually can restrict those ribs from moving. Then, which makes it hard to get that good breathing pattern in. Another issue we can experience when we sit down all day long is it different with standing up? Um, standing up is going to be your hardest, the hardest way to to actually achieve it. So right? when so, it comes so, to standing position, that's the worst. It's the hardest to do, at least initially. And okay. so that's why laying down and then shifting to your side and then maybe trying it seated and then trying it kneeling. So and any of those breathing exercises, it's a little bit easier to connect with that pelvic floor in a laying down position versus standing. But then eventually the goal is to be able to do all that standing as well. Okay. So as far as breathing, and like I say, when I can't feel my ribs, like I'm breathing. Okay. I just need to start off on the floor and really focus on being able to move that rib. Ideally. Yes. It's probably, you would start with just mind body connection, right? And if you're still having trouble with that, then it could be more that you need some manual release techniques. Okay. And that could be something self manual release, or it could be something that you have to see a PT for that can actually then manual release those areas as well. So if a muscle is holding tension, then it's going to have some dysfunction in it. So is it something that you can self release with like a foam roller or a wand, or is it something that, that needs a little bit more attention? Or like I said, do you just need to bring that mind-body connection in? Um, that would be the biggest concern that you see when people don't have those results with the ribs is just the mind-body connection, paying attention and being aware. The next thing would be, does it need to actually be muscles released? And so once we discover our breathing, what would be the next step? So I kind of put it into my ABCs. And a lot of this is, is coming from PT, but it needs to happen in order to be able to do any kind of strength training. Um, but the A is going to be for alignment. So making sure that your body is in the best alignment it can be in. Um, and I usually draw kind of a pipeline from the head all the way to the feet. That's helping people find their neutral pelvis or the best position for their pelvis. So there's alignment and then there's the B for breathing. And then the C is for my ceasing tension. And my thing is, is I would love to just give you a bunch of exercises. Like I would love to just give you a bunch of exercises and that be what, you know, what cures you. But the idea is you need to get rid of tension before you can add tension on from strength training. So that C is the ceasing tension. So your muscles can actually work. And then from there, we work on total body strengthening. And I really try to get people back to traditional fitness as much as I can. Um, but total body strengthening, a lot of it's going to be getting that back strong, getting um, your push muscles strong, getting your chest strong again, getting your glutes strong, getting your inner thighs strong. So total body stuff that's going to help support that pelvic area. Yeah. I, I'm a chiropractor by nature, so I'm a little biased. But I think if you were to get involved, if you have these concerns, find a chiropractor who's trained in AK 
applied mm-hmm. kinesiology and they specialize in the pelvic floor, then combine the exercises with the PT and that concept, you could have some profound results. Oh, it's huge with alignment. Yeah, it's it's huge because I mean, hip dysplasia or hip misalignment is directly uh, related to pelvic floor issues, muscle issues. So, like, you getting that pelvic area aligned and um, you know back into place where it should be (laughs) is huge for the muscles. Do you do you find that women who do like chiropractic during pregnancy are is there a correlation between that and less pop postpartum? I honestly, I think it's because it, anyone that does like chiropractic or does pre things like that, even like prenatal strengthening, they're more aware and awareness is huge in, in your recovery and either preventing or minimizing pelvic floor dysfunction down the road. So yes, I do think that you know, chiropractic and being aware of what your body and how it is functioning is a great precursor to not having to deal with issues down the road. Yeah. I don't know the research of it, but just knowing what I know, I, there, what, there should be a strong correlation. Who knows if there's actually research done on it too. Like, well, it also depends on how they, you know, how they take what you give them and apply it to life too, you know? So that's yeah. huge. Well, this has been super cool. Ladies, leaking is not a normal thing. You might think it is, but it doesn't need to be. Same thing with hot flashes and menopause. So go learn more about how to overcome this on Christina's podcast, Power Over Pop, and check out her website, poweroverpop.com. Christina, thanks for joining us today. Yes, thank you so much. You're welcome. I'll talk to you later. I hope you learned as much as I did from that discussion. Now, I'm in need of your help. I'm writing a book because of overwhelming request. I'll be teaching you how to transform those normal labs into answers, healing, and hope. Whether you're a practitioner or trying to take charge of your own health, what questions do you have about blood work and labs? I'd love to answer those questions inside the book. To submit your questions for a chance to be answered within those pages, text 855-499-2555. Once again, that's 855-499-2555. Then stay tuned. You just might have a special place inside the Q&A at the end of each chapter. Next, come join the membership. You not only get access to me on live calls, but you also get the answers to questions just like yours on my private podcast. This level of attention and help is only available inside my membership. So stop relying on late night Google searches and start getting the answers and relief you desire. I can't wait to welcome you in. Get all the details and join us at drkylieburton.com backslash healing dash beyond dash the dash diagnosis. See you on the inside. Mm-hmm.